Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations where we discuss mental health, adversity, spirituality, and societal issues. I'm your host, Ferkan Dandia. In this week's episode, I'm excited to welcome Gary Foster, and we dive deep into the fascinating world of transcendental meditation, also known as TM. From its ancient roots to its modern-day resurgence, we explore this practice's transformative effects and profound impact on individuals' lives. We also unravel the secrets of PM and uncover the inner peace and self-discovery it offers. In this episode, Gary sheds some light on understanding what TM is and the technique associated with this practice. Gary then also shares the benefits of transcendental meditation and how we can use it in our daily lives. Gary and I then talk about some of the misconceptions around this practice and where we see the future of this practice in our lives. We hope to have shed some light on the incredible practice of TM. We explore its historical roots, technique, and numerous benefits for individuals and society. Therefore, TM offers a profound path to self-discovery, inner peace, and well-being. Gary Foster has been in communications for over 25 years, managing and organizing speaker venues, author tours, product launches, press conferences, and radio and TV appearances for prominent leaders. Gary is the lead instructor for Operation Warrior Wellness in Canada, helping the Canadian Women's Wellness Initiative bring the Transcendental Meditation Program to veterans and police officers suffering from PTSD. With several grants awarded by Veteran Affairs Canada and the Department of Defense, they have instructed nearly 200 veterans in the Simple Meditation Program, which is thousands of years old but has measurable implications for modern ailments. Gary was a senior advisor for the IZAX Technologies Group of Companies in Montreal, consulting on business strategy and communications for software applications with specialized industry courses for physicians and life sciences professionals. After graduating from university in 1985 with a degree in the humanities, Gary became a certified stress management consultant, holding in-residence seminars and lecturing and touring across North America. Gary was a personal assistant to Canadian magician Doug Henning and organized the media launch of his theme park, which the Ottawa citizen called the largest non-political press conference in Canadian history. In 2004, Gary was awarded a doctorate of peace from Mayru in Switzerland. Please check out the show notes to see how you can get a hold of Gary, and please leave a review at the end of this episode or a comment in the comment section. I would truly appreciate it. All right, Gary, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited about the conversation we're going to have, and I'm super grateful that you're taking the time to have this conversation with me. But uh, before we jump into it, I do want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and let the le- listeners know a little bit about what it is that you do and um, what kind of work you're involved in. Sure. First of all, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm really happy to be on your show. And your background in psychology and engineering, I think, is a really fabulous framework to really understand some of the richness behind the program. Uh, My name is Gary Foster, and I'm a certified instructor of the Transcendental Meditation Program. I learned it back in 1978 and have been teaching it for approximately 40 years. I've traveled to about eight countries, and I think I've taught the program in about 35 cities. Uh, Most recently, I've been working with uh, veterans in Canada suffering from post-traumatic stress and uh, many, many police officers. And we were awarded, uh, the one wing of the organization was awarded uh, several grants to bring the TM program to veterans suffering from PTSD and OSI, et cetera. And a new grant we've just received um, is to help survivors of sexual trauma in the military. So we're really excited that 
that receptivity is very high and um, I look forward to jumping into some details with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is great work that you're doing and there's obviously, you know, I've focused quite a bit on first line workers as well as the, the trauma that comes with it, PTSD specifically, as you've alluded to. But I guess just to kind of give us an idea of the, the meditation practice, what's transcendental sure. meditation and what is that? Okay. Look? Yeah, great. Let's lay the foundation then. It's actually easier to do than it is to say. A lot of people stumble over the word transcendental. Uh, meditation is thought. Transcend, transcendental means to go beyond thought. And I'll explain that in just a moment. But it's a very ancient practice, goes back to uh, the Vedic civilization of ancient India up in the Himalayas. So it's many thousands of years old, but it has a real um, salient application to today's modern ailments. Right. Um, it's a technique you practice with your eyes closed for 20 minutes twice a day. It's been taught around the world for about 60 years in very structured training programs. And uh, we've taught uh, youngsters, TM, uh, under the age of 10, they do a little different technique. But from 10, and I've taught people in their 90s. We teach yeah. professionals, housewives, students, a whole range of people. And there's not one particular type that comes to learn TM because I think everybody deep down is really searching for how can I be a better person? How can I sleep better? You know, how can I improve my health? Or, or What's my connection to nature and surroundings? People feel disconnected, particularly after the pandemic when we were all so isolated, which is really contrary to mankind, which, you know, we're, we're born into families and we have our social groups and our, our, our hobbies and, and we like to connect and we thrive when we connect. Some of our best inventions have come out of human creativity. And uh, that collective consciousness working together has put satellites into space, people walking on other planets. I mean, it's really remarkable. You know, we fathom the depths of the ocean. And now we've got a technique for exploring consciousness because thousands of years ago, this really was a technique for unfolding consciousness, for exploring consciousness. So uh, we can talk about all of these things if you like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I guess immediately before we go down that path, like the first question that comes to mind, and I'm sure people often wonder too, how is the TM different than some other forms of meditation that are fairly mainstream? You know, you kind of think about guided meditation, then there's a lot of breathing exercises that people do while they're meditating. Uh, so and then there's, I mean, NSDR, non-sleep deep rest is another form that's gaining a lot more popularity. What, how is TM that much more different or is it different? Excellent. I'm really glad. We usually talk about this uh, when we're giving our introductory talk on the program itself. A meditation meditations fall really into three categories. Open monitoring focused mm -hmm. attention, and then automatic self-transcending. So let's back up and take a look at those. Now, to understand this uh, clearly, let's look at a sort of a visual diagram of how we might think of the human mind. Mm -hmm. So it's like an ocean. On the surface of the ocean, There's we see waves and all of that. But we also know that regardless of how high the waves are on the ocean, there's a very quiet, silent, still depth to the ocean. Mm -hmm. And the mind is exactly the same way. On right. the surface, we have all these notions and things we have to do. And you got to make a list, got to find a list, got to make a new list, can't find my list, where are my keys? All that stuff on the surface of life keeps the mind very active. And it's, it's exhausting. All the things that we worry about, you know, is my mortgage paid? Am I going to pass this next exam, et cetera. But underneath all of that, is a very quiet, silent depth to the mind. And this is why it's called transcendental meditation, because we transcend from that active level of the mind to these very quiet, silent, still depths. And it's very pleasant, and it happens automatically if you give the right parameters for it to happen. Right. 
Now, so meditations fall into one of these three categories. The first one we'll talk about is the, the focused attention or the concentration techniques. A huge misunderstanding in this area because people are taught to, you got to control the mind. If you want to still the body and give some inner peace, you've got to stop the mind from wandering and you, you focus your attention on this. And if it wanders, you whip it back. That's right. exhausting. And you know that from doing your master's degree that when you're studying, you're reading the information on a page. And after a mind, after a while, the mind's wandering all over the place and you don't remember oh, what yeah. was on that page. Because it's opposite to the nature of the mind, which is to search for something more charming. I'll explain that in just a moment. So that's the first technique, series of techniques. They fall into this concentration or focused attention, different brainwave patterns. Now, the second group is the open monitoring. And these techniques fall into what I call maybe the mindfulness or visualization techniques, where the mind is, you know, you're following a train of thought or you're monitoring your breathing, you're monitoring your content of your thought or emotions. Or back when I was graduating from high school, I remember reading a book that said, picture yourself on a beautiful beach. And the sun is out and the sand is hot and the wind's blowing through the pines or the, the yep. palm trees and the waves are lapping on the shore. So they're trying to create imagery of restful condition to try to create those type of brainwave patterns to give the body a deep state of rest. But the mind's nature, it's wandering because it's hung up in all this imagery. And this right. wandering and hung up in the imagery prevents the reduction in the activity of thinking and for the mind to transcend to these quieter levels. So automatic self-transcending is the third category. And in this particular technique, you learn a mantra, which is a meaningless sound that's selected for the individual. They're thousands mm -hmm. of years old. And they're very soothing at all these quieter levels as the mind experiences the mantra in quieter levels. So when you learn TM, you learn this particular sound, and you also learn the technique of how we use that sound. Mm. And it's by gravity that the mind goes in and dives in automatically to this experience. It's like standing on the edge of a diving board. You just take the correct angle, let go, and gravity pulls you in. So the right. same thing here, it's a few simple instructions, and one experiences the transcending experience. So brainwave patterns are different. The heart rate slows down, metabolic rate slows down. And all of the research that's been done on TM, it's well over 400 studies. And I think three quarters of them or more are published in academic independent journals where the peer review process has shown things like serotonin levels go up, cortisol levels go down, high blood pressure levels go down, heart rate slows, asthma improves. There's a whole host of research there. Yeah. And it's from yeah. this experience. And then when, just to give you a little bit of a background, when TM came out on sort of a global stage in the 50s, the understanding of meditation at that time was it's very difficult. It's hard to do. You had to be part of a recluse order. It wasn't practical for daily life. You had to practice it for a long time before you had an experience. And that was completely opposite. TM was a completely opposite to all of those. And people were very skeptical back in those days because, well, how can you say I can have an experience of transcending in a few minutes of this when I've been doing my technique for 30 years and, and had a glimpse of it? So it was opposite to what people's common experience was. Right. And I recall a friend of mine traveling, he used to travel a lot on the eastern part of the world and had taught some Buddhist monks. And this one particular lady came to learn. She'd been in a monastery most of her life. She came to learn, and her head was shaved. She had the traditional, you know, garb and clothing of her order. And she was furious after learning TM. She said, this is amazing. Here I am. I shave my head. I lose my family. I've spent my whole life in this monastery waiting for this glimpses of transcending experience. You teach me this and I get it in every meditation. And she said, well, what's going on here? So there's 
clearly a, a huge misunderstanding. And the way that TM is taught, it's kept in its sort of original purity and effectiveness. So every time somebody learns, they have yeah. this right experience. Yeah. So yeah. those are, are sort of the three groups and a little bit of the background behind it. Sure. Yeah. No, and I appreciate that. Thank you for walking us through that. And one of the things I'm curious about, because you were talking about the imagery and there's been a lot of talk about imagery uh, with athletes, for example, you know, they kind of sit there and they have this image of them performing something uh, depending on the sport. And then there's also the same idea where people are often told that, you know, picture yourself living your best life and meditate on it, right? Is that kind of similar idea to what you were referring to, or is this more something that we've <laughs> believe is a hack that we've tried to create? Yeah, no, I think there's value to that. Absolutely. Uh, often I have other hats I wear when I work and I often go through the whole process of doing or performing a particular task or a job. And uh, I think there's some value to that. So that's sort of that secondary cap category, mm -hmm. the open monitoring, right? So the visualization techniques, a lot of the breathing techniques are like that. And I think there's value to that. There's uh, no question. And there's some research shown that there's a restful experience and, and uh, athletes feel they can perform at a higher level afterwards. But this is very different because what we're doing here is we're transcending to what we call the source of thought that really deep inner silent level. And it's that is the basis of all of our creativity and energy and intelligence. And that is what brings out the benefits from TM. And it's like a reset button. It really balances the physiology. Um, you know, if a doctor says to you, hey, take two aspirins, call me in the morning. Well, what he's saying is, hey, go home and get some rest. Let's see how you feel tomorrow because they know those natural healing mechanisms in the body often will be triggered if we give it a chance to get a level of rest. But the early research shows that TM gives a level of rest that's deeper than sleep in just a few minutes. And so it's this deeper level of rest that dissolves the stress in the physiology, allows it to come back into more of a balanced style of functioning. And then those self-regulatory me mechanisms, repair mechanisms in the body do their job and then we feel happier afterwards. We you know, and it's it's noticeable. I mean, I've been doing this since 1978, and every time I get out of my chair, I'm just a different guy than the guy that sits in the chair at five o'clock in the afternoon after dealing with people on the highways or or what have you. We know we all right. get stress and strain, and it yeah. just keeps on ticking. Just stuff to stop. The benefits sure. just keep coming. Yeah, yeah. And you talked about the whole idea of tapping into this source. And I've listened to a lot of Rick Rubin interviews recently, and he talks about, you know, this, the source, which, you know, I often try to, or at least I interpret it as what you alluded to earlier, this consciousness, right? You're tapping into that. Uh, perhaps it's the collective consciousness. But is that the whole idea there when you're talking about source the creativity that we experience yeah. through this form of meditation yes yes for god absolutely that's it i think rick rubin is the music producer isn't he is, yes is that yeah, right yeah. no yeah it's tm that he practices and he'd learned long ago he's one of the kind of the closet what do you call celebrities that do tm yeah. that just do it and don't really talk about it some do some do but it, it is that Often we think of the concept of consciousness as being a byproduct of the brain. And that's true in some sense. There's, uh, you know, if you walk into someone's home, it feels different than your home. Mm -hmm. My wife and I used to travel and teach a lot. And when we lived in Holland, it would be very different when I'd step over the border into Germany or go to Belgium. You feel the collective consciousness. It's just different laws of nature. The the food, the, the, the diet, their mannerisms and habits and traditions and culture, and it's all different. So that's a byproduct of the collective consciousness of the people in that area. But mm -hmm. consciousness is primary and it's, it exists before 
the manifestation of the body, so to speak. It's that collective field of intelligence in nature, which physics calls the unified field, the underlying all the diversity and everything we see in life is an underlying intelligence in nature. And um, without getting too far down into the physics, there's you know classical physics is all the changing phenomenon we see in the world, like atoms colliding, et cetera. Yeah. But underlying that, there are field properties that you can't, you know, the more that the physicists dive into nature's functioning, they start to realize that these are amorphous. It's like a, a cosmic soup of energy and intelligence. And right. when you tap into that with transcendental meditation, when the mind transcends, that nature and human nature at that deepest level are one and the same. Mm. And so when someone's transcending, it's like you imprint that field of intelligence or consciousness into your own physiology. And that's what brings about the balance and the change. So yeah, in a sense, you're right. You're you're tapping into that. And when you do, because it's a field of order and intelligence, then that gets sort of spread in the environment around you. And there's some really interesting studies on crime rate decreases in the right. vicinity when there's large groups of people doing TM. Mm -hmm. And these are they're published studies, and we can go into that too if you wanted to. But um, even, you know, I was a literature major in my undergraduate years in school. Yeah. And Wordsworth, uh, Blake, Shelley, they all had really clear experiences of transcending. And that's where their great writing and insights and poetry came from, Shakespeare, etc. But they didn't have a technique. They didn't have a way of accessing it daily. And so they would get glimpses of it. Wordsworth used to call them, I think, spots of time when... You know, everything would just appear and com feel completely in order and, and he would feel his place in the cosmos. So it's innate in the human nervous system, but we've been so caught up or so conditioned to performing, you know, on cruder, grosser levels through the five senses, you know, violent movies or yeah. or what have you, you while you're functioning in the world that we've lost this ability to experience these quieter and quieter levels and experience what we call transcending. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when you were sharing all that, what came to my mind too is, is often what I've experienced is often like an energy field. And you kind of experience that with people as well, where mm -hmm. certain people's energies may not be conducive for, for your own creativity or just your own positivity. And, and I've definitely experienced that myself, which is, I don't know. I find that all very interesting um, when you kind of talk about all this stuff. Right. So very cool. And, and I guess kind of let perhaps going into the details now into of TM, if there's stuff that you want to explore further, like I want to understand a bit more cause we haven't really gone down that route yet. Mm -hmm. Well, it's uh, it's a simple technique that you do sitting in a chair with your eyes closed. It's practiced 20 minutes twice a day, usually sometime in the morning and then sometime in the afternoon before your dinner, uh, before late evening. We tell people not to practice it just before bed because you can get more energy from it. You might not be able to sleep. And on the other hand, we teach um, a lot of police officers and doctors and people on shift work. And, you know, we just explained it, you know, fit it in when you can. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can, you know, grab a closet somewhere in your office or somewhere where you can sit quietly and, and do your TM. So very practical. When I travel, uh, if it's five o'clock in the afternoon and I'm at a crazy airport waiting for a flight, I can close my eyes in that noisy environment. And and uh, people do it there. You can do it on, as a, on a passenger of a car, uh, on a bus or train or on the airplane. So it's very portable and you don't need uh, sort of equipment. You know, you don't, it's not a guided meditation. So you don't need to be hooked up to watching a monitor or having an app on your phone. You're listening to somebody. Uh, so it makes people very self-sufficient. And it's, I think this is probably why the military likes it because they really want to give their veterans a tool that they can do for themselves something they can take home and continue to practice. And, you know, there's about, uh, 
I think it's over 10 million people who've learned TM over the 60, 50, 60 years. And I have many friends because I used to travel and teach a lot. I mean, I'm talking thousands of friends who've been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. And you just wouldn't keep doing that technique if you weren't getting something from it. It's not like a fad that one day I like to listen to Mozart and a little later I want to listen to you too. You know, it's not those things that, that they just stays with you. It's just a charming experience and it keeps pulling you back to it. Right. And coming back to this whole idea of busyness, like you said, you know, you can do it in a busy airport. One of the things I find fascinating too is, well, and probably detrimental in the same <laughs> sentence, but is the busyness we've created in our lives, right? And there's this constant overflow of stimulation all around us whether it's work and just being in this busy city, our phones, all kinds of stuff coming at us at the same time. So how are you able to, especially in an airport where there's so much chaos, able to disconnect and get into that? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good. Very good point, actually. It reminds me of, I'll just tell you a quick little story. I taught a, a First Nations elder and, um, he found it was quite similar to some of his ancient knowledge from his own tradition. And he said, you know, what I like about this is it gives a rest to my mind and my body. And he said, I'm really concerned because he's looking out at the youth and they've got earbuds in. And he said, all the time, they're being bombarded by more stimulation on top of everything you've just explained. Yeah. And when that's happening all the time, you don't have chance to really sit and think about yourself or, or what do I think about this? What do I think about that? You don't really give a, a, any break to those internal mechanisms, the brain or the heart or anything like that. So because TM is very charming practice to do it and because thinking at these quieter and quieter levels is very natural for the mind to go there given the right parameter in the technique, your attention will be automatically drawn inside, just like the, the diver on the diving board who's pulled in by gravity. And so it's not like we have to push out all of these things around us, all these noise. It's nice to, me to meditate in the quiet of my own living room. I prefer that than the busy airport, but I prefer to feel the rest and the happiness I feel after doing TM rather than skipping it in the afternoon at the crazy airport. Mm -hmm. So it's just natural that the mind will search for something uh, more charming and it'll be pulled inside when you practice the technique. And one of the stories I recalled somebody once mentioning was if you were outside a castle and you saw a king wandering around on his balcony, you might think, well, it must be the king's nature to wander. Whereas the reality is the nature of the king is to look for a chair, dignity of him to sit on, mm -hmm. no dignified enough for him to sit on. And right. that's the real reality. But from outside, it might just appear like he's just wandering back and forth on his, on his balcony. So it's the same thing with the mind too. The mind will go and sit and have that silent experience when it can find a way to get there. It's like the eyes can perceive the world around us, but they can't see themselves. So you hold up a mirror and then that's the technique and the, oh, the eyes then can see themselves. And so the same thing with the mind settles down to that experience when you've got the technique and the procedure of how to have that happen. So disconnecting from the environment around you is, is, is just not really a concern as much as it's nicer to meditate in the comfort of my own living room. Uh, it's yeah. not, not a hindrance at all. Right. And then, then there's the focus on closing your eyes because there's other forms of meditation, perhaps even focus meditation where it's recommended or sometimes encouraged to, to keep your eyes open and focus on one spot. Why is it different in this case? Yeah, this is, uh, that's a, a quite an older practice. The other one that's very similar to that is people used to turn the lights off in their home, light a candle, and you'd focus on the candle. Mm -hmm. And if the mind wandered, you 
you'd bring it back to that spot. You'd focus on it. And you're trying to prevent the mind from wandering to create the stillness. But the mind's like a, a tree full of monkeys. It wants to move. It, it, it yeah. wants to express. We like to create. And um, having the eyes open, then the brainwave patterns are different. And then the mind starts perceiving oh, this is on my wall, and oh, there's my homework. I've got to get back to that, and I've got to write those letters. I've got to mail these letters. Mm -hmm. All of that is sort of a, a, a distraction. And brainwave patterns show that the mind's being engaged in extra uh, stimulatory information outside. So right. by closing the eyes, you're already reducing a significant amount of input through the optical system on the brain. So that's the, one of the first things that you do when you're practicing. You have to close your eyes first. And right. I've, I've taught a lot of people that have tried so many techniques, sometimes uh, people that have actually required counseling afterwards because they're, such, they're so dramatic on the physiology. And, and some, I think, are actually quite harmful. One was uh, this fellow was telling me he was taught to meditate with his eyes open standing up. There's just no way that you're going to transcend if you're worried about falling over and and you know get all that information coming in through the through the eyes. It's uh, it's just one of the many many misunderstandings of of how to trigger this sort of natural response. Mm -hmm. But something else you might find quite interesting too. So the goal of this meditation technique is not so much just to sit in in bliss and silence and enjoy, but you know, we have a nervous system over these five senses to enjoy the world. Right. And what happens is when you repeat this process twice a day, as the years go by, the nervous system becomes incredibly flexible. It's used to being dynamically active and it's used mm -hmm. to being absolutely still and silent. And then, but just alternating those experiences from the stillness to the dynamism, the nervous system begins to integrate those two extreme experiences. And then what happens is that infinite silence is maintained while you're infinitely dynamic. Mm -hmm. So then you're restful in activity. And that's what's called enlightenment. It was called enlightenment, you know, thousands of years ago. And that's what these ancient rishis and the Himalayas were, were accomplishing was they were you know, fathoming the field of consciousness, that same field of intelligence in themselves and in nature, because they wanted that connection with the universe. And so what happens in enlightenment is that infinite silence is maintained even while you're dynamically active. And then any stress and strain that comes on in the physiology is sort of, you might say, simultaneously neutralized. And that's the basis for good health. That's the basis for an integrated style of functioning and a of, you know, of more of what we are supposed to be as human beings. You know, we're not meant to be suffering with all of these ailments. And, and uh, it's just because we're disconnected from this very basic experience. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I've read a lot recently. There's tons of literature around the impact of stress on our immune system and are, you know, a lot of the causes of the diseases from some of these chronic stresses that we carry around. And to your point, to tie it back, it's, you know, this TM can be one form of being able to mitigate those stresses because we're, like we've talked about earlier, we're so tied down with all these things that we keep ourselves busy with and, and we're not yeah. just... Thing. And and that can often present itself as illnesses or diseases, which a lot of people don't consider or, or are even aware of. Beautiful, yeah. This whole concept of psychosomatic medicine, right? That the yeah. that the uh, soma affects the body. You know, that's that's affected. And I just tell you a little bit about it. One of the research studies that was funded by the Department of Defense in the U.S. because it ties into this point very very beautifully. Most people, if they have a traumatic experience in life, maybe they witness an accident or they're involved in a house fire, there's some trauma in the physiology. It's an over-impression, right, that's made that stresses the body. And right. you might have one or two of those in your life. 
Now, if you look at, a, say, a police officer or maybe a surgeon in surgery or someone in the military that might have 150 to 180 traumatic experiences, they're so overwhelming on the body that it creates a kind of a, a hyper vigilance, like, a, you know, the amygdala gets overly excited. So it's always in fight or flight mode. Yeah. So the Department of Defense wanted to see if TM was really effective in mitigating the effects of post-traumatic stress. So what they did was they took 203 veterans and they randomly assigned them to one of three programs, TM, health education, and what their gold standard in treating PTSD is called prolonged exposure therapy. And what that does is it it allows the veteran to repeatedly be exposed to the trauma that created his original trauma until they're not bothered by it anymore. And this is kind of one of the standard tools they have for treating veterans. When we gave presentation to the police department, I remember one officer saying, whoa, I don't want to go through that again. So these 203 veterans were randomly assigned to one of these three programs, health education, you're meeting with a counselor and they're talking with maybe adjust your diet, get a comfort dog, do some exercise. And there's value to that for sure. Here having someone, you know, here and support you and go through the counseling. The prolonged exposure therapy. Well, when I was teaching one veteran, he said, hey, Gary, he said, I don't want to go through prolonged exposure therapy again. I've had, you know, eight years of my deployment over, you know, uh, moments of deployment, not continually over eight years, I've had yeah. so many traumatic events. There's just no way you could re-expose them to all of me uh, to, to solve all of these issues. And then, so the third group was the TM group. And what they found was that, that first of all, the group that learned TM randomly assigned to one of those three programs showed significant improvements in reductions of PTSD more than all the others. Like, really significantly. And the military said, this is remarkable because that group loves the program because they're just sitting in silence and practicing this technique. Mm. And uh, so they've said that if, if we can repeat this now, they're doing a bigger study now. I think it's a thousand veterans in uh, 10 or 15 VA hospitals in the US. And if they get the same results comparing TM with prolonged exposure therapy and health education, then they want to make it part of basic training so that the person goes off deployment into battle, they have resilience to begin with. And we're trying to do the same thing with the police department here. So you have that restful alertness inside before being uh, exposed to the traumatic events. And, and uh, I'll just tell you another brief story. I, when I used to travel and teach, there was a SWAT officer who was the helicopter pilot in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, he said, I, he just pulled up one day in his uh, patrol car to learn TM. And he said, you know, I used to go to make an arrest in somebody's house, or I go to make an arrest in somebody's house. I have all my gear on. I have the training. I'm prepared for what might happen. But he said, every step I take closer to the front door, he said, my cortisol levels, my anxiety was going through the roof. He said, it's burning me out. It's like that over hypervigilance, right? The amygdala being stuck on yeah. in a foot on the floor experience. So he learned TM. And then I saw him a couple of months later and asked him, he said, Rick, you know, how are you doing with your program? He said, well, he said, now when I go to the door to make an arrest, I've got that restful posture inside. I'm feeling at ease. I'm cool like a cucumber. I'm still alert to what might happen. I'm prepared. Mm -hmm. But he said, I'm not over-revving, not over-stimulated from past traumatic experiences. So that's yeah. a sort of a real hands-on practical example of somebody that is feeling that resilience inside from that inner experience. Yeah, and I appreciate you bringing back the whole PTSD aspect and, and how TM can support individuals suffering in that sense, because it, that's a huge component, right? And, and there's been a lot of impact or consequences from PTSD, specifically suicide being one of those. So it's great that, you know, people have that tool now 
to be able to mitigate through some of those things that may come up. Yeah. One of the other things I did want to circle back on, because we talked about the whole mantra piece, why or how does mantras or how do mantras help in, in this type of scenario? And Yeah, good. Yeah, very. it's very good. Well, the mantras, it's really a vehicle. And, you know, a vehicle takes you from A to B, right? Takes you from your home to the grocery store. And so the mantra, these mantras in the TM technique are very soothing at these quieter levels of the thinking process to transcend with. And the mind, because there's no meaning associated with the mantra, it's very specific sound. The mind doesn't get hung up on the surface of the pond, so to speak, you know, monitoring breathing or what have you. And because the nature of the mind is to look for something that's more charming, it automatically experiences the mantra in these quieter levels. So the mantra is really a vehicle for this inward dive in the mind. And it's the nature of the mind to look for what's more charming. If you and I were to sitting here now and said, hey, let's, uh, let's go to a movie afterwards, we could jump on Google or get the newspaper out, and we would automatically start to look for that movie that appeals to us. It's more charming. Or driving right. down the highway, if you're driving up to Edmonton and the sun's setting over the mountains, you know, your attention just shifts over when you're driving. Go, wow, look at that beautiful red sky. Or look at that beautiful, calm, clear lake. It's looking all the time for something more charming. And right. what it doesn't know, it's kind of a cosmic joke in a way, is that the source of its happiness is within itself. And so you yep. just need that technique, that mantra, that vehicle to, to allow it to dive in and have that experience. Mm. There's an example of, I think it was, might have been Blake. Uh, no, it was Keats uh, called Ode to a Nightingale. And he was walking through a forest in England and a nightingale made a particular sound and he had the transcending experience. And he thought, wow, this is amazing. What is, I've got to capture that bird. And so his whole poem is about him chasing this bird to try to bring it back to his home so it could create that experience for him. So that's a mm -hmm. kind of an interesting example from, you know, a couple of hundred years ago or, or whatever the dates were. I don't recall exactly, yeah. but. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. And another question I have is because there's, you know, the, for a lot of people that practice religion, there's they use prayer for mm -hmm. for 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 their reprieve or or just to focus. How is that different than TM? Like, uh, have you come across any research or in terms of the work you've done that answer that question? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. People often think that. Well, it's a meditation technique, so <clears throat> is there a religious component to it? Mm -hmm. And there isn't. We've taught uh, rabbis and ministers and, and uh, you know, Trappist monks and people from all walks of life and religions. And they practice TM as a form of really preparation to enjoy themselves more, whether it's their religion or their job or 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 hobbies, or what have you. So there's no sort of conflict with a religion. Um, I think ultimately, the knowledge of transcending is in the, is really at the core of many of the religions, but I think it may be that it's been lost. I'm not an expert in this area, and I, yeah. I wouldn't put myself forth to be that. But I think that knowledge is is hidden in there because it's universal. It, it doesn't depend on a particular tradition or culture or religion and you know religions there's some truths in a lot of these religions unfortunately some of them have been uh, you know misguided or or used yeah. in the wrong sense but ultimately there's there's some uh wisdom in there and and uh, i think hidden deep within all of them there's probably technique for transcending I think, mm -hmm. and then ultimately, in the end, you'll end up with the same technique, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's, well, you know, there's many ways to get to Rome. You know, I could jump on a plane, I could take a bike, I could ride in a car, but mm -hmm. 
But uh, the nice thing about TM is it's very quick and direct, a really smooth, comfortable ride on the journey. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason why I asked, to your point, there is a lot of overlap. So uh, to your point, yeah, there's many ways to get there. And, and TM is just one of those. And that's great. Um, Gary, is there anything else that you feel is relevant? I, I know there's so much to cover. And I don't know if I've asked everything that there's... <laughs> I'm sure I've missed a lot of things, but yeah, is there anything relevant that you feel that li listeners can benefit from that perhaps we haven't brought forward yet? Yeah, I'd say, um, you know, do your homework, do your due diligence if you're looking for a meditation practice. Uh, when I learned back in 78, there was 100 studies on TM and and I liked science. I don't have a strong science background, but I, I really like it. I'm very familiar with a lot of the research. Mm -hmm. And that gave me a lot of confidence in the practice. And so do your homework and, and see if, if the techniques hold up. You know, find one that you're comfortable with. And you can go online uh, in Canada at ca.tm.org. You know, look at some of the research, look at some of the testimonials and and then, you know, attend an introductory talk. We're giving a lot of them on Zoom. You don't have to have a teacher in your area, but we have offices and instructors in basically in every major city of the world. And we've got a there's a great track record there. Um, it's nice to know that it's not something that somebody dreamt up in a California hot tub party, but there's a really ancient tradition behind this. And it's really stood the test of time. And um, I think, you know, people, if you're, you know, we live in a scientific age and I've seen the National Institutes of Health award, I think it's over $30 million over the last 30 years for cardiovascular and hypertension research. And, but, you know, find those things that work for you. You really, you know, we need to disconnect and, and give rest to the system whether you're going to be running or swimming or you like to performing arts or you like to read, but really take those times to disconnect and rebalance yourself. Get out in nature and walk. And this is, you know, this is healthy mm -hmm. because, you know, if you're watching the news all the time, you see the effect. Turn off the news for a while and, and notice the effect that has on you. I remember yeah. getting up one morning and going to work and it was absolutely gorgeous day. I didn't feel like I had a care in the world. And then I put the radio on and in five minutes I was just, you know, you're jittery from, it feels like everything's imploding, particularly during the pandemic. So yeah, take time to, to give yourself a break from the busyness of life and, and investigate something like this. It's highly pleasant technique and, and, uh, Anybody can practice it and learn it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I, I appreciate all that, Gary. And I guess one of the other questions I had for you, considering how long you've been doing this for, what got you into TM? What was your kind of initial point? Yeah, yeah I've often thought about that. And there are a few signposts along the way that I needed to do something else. Mm -hmm. I needed to change what I was doing if I wanted to be a better person. Uh, I remember I used to have a job right after high school where I was behind a sales counter and I was seeing people come in all day long and it was very busy wholesale and retail business. And I was noticing that people were coming in. Some were very funny. Some have incredible memories. Some had incredible intellect. Some were very angry, and I was seeing this whole collage of different personalities. And I thought, well, how come they're really happy, and those guys are sad? And I thought, there's got to be something, you know, that can unfold or unlock that potential. And something right. happened at that at the job site and um, in that wholesale business. And I heard somebody talking about me behind my back, and I just thought wow, I've become that stressed person that I don't like to see in other people. So that was a little, that was a message. I suddenly realized I've got to do something. And at that point, 
I had met a family that was all doing TM. And they were, they had something that I wanted. They were happy and, and uh, there was a restful peacefulness about them. And I wanted that. So I went off and uh, went to an introductory talk at Ottawa University at, uh, in Ottawa. And that's uh, how I came to learn. And I think I was probably ripe for looking for ways to make myself a better person. That was back yeah. in 1978, and I had a friend that I tried to get him to come with me. And, come on, let's go hear this talk on meditation. Absolutely had zero interest. Yeah. And uh, when I look at our two lives, of course, we never one never knows exactly. You can't compare yourself to right. somebody else. But when I look at some of the things that he's gone through, uh, you know, I think he could have avoided a lot of that if he'd maybe just stepped onto this boat instead of taking the other highway yeah yeah no i thank you for sharing that and and gary for listeners that do want to find you or get a hold of you what are some ways they can do that whether it's online or or social media yeah i think when i can email to you a couple of video clips of some of the veterans talking and i can include my uh, contact information if you like but if they just go online to tm.org, which is the international website, and then you just place an inquiry there, you'll get connected with a TM teacher in your city. You know, the software is sophisticated now to do that. And then I can just give you my email address, and I'm more than happy if somebody wanted to call me, I could give a Zoom presentation with some of the research and then get them connected with a teacher in your city or province or country or what have you yeah yeah that's great i will put that in the show notes for sure if people want to do that and they're interested but gary thank you so much for coming on here and sharing all this wisdom and insight with us i really appreciate it i learned a lot and have some things to go think about and look into for myself but uh yeah appreciate it very much thank you no i, I appreciate the invitation and uh with your psychology background, I just thought you'd really enjoy some of the kind of insights into the into the research. And we could talk another time in much more detail about some of those things, but uh, I, I've just really enjoyed being on the show. I thought your questions were great and it really brought out some uh, rich knowledge, I think. So well done and, and thank you for having me on. And I, I listened to the podcast you did with the Calgary police officer yeah, And uh, it's made me want to reach out to him. He's a very open, receptive individual that I think could really benefit from this program. So uh, I think you're doing a great service by offering these podcasts. And I look forward to sharing it actually online. Thank you. Thank you for checking out that episode with Gary. As always, please leave a review or a comment in the comment section. I love hearing from you. Or subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. That's the best way to support this podcast. And until next week.